Hi, Emmaus. Welcome back to the Proclaim and Display podcast, episode 33, where we help you show and tell the gospel to your neighbors and the nations. Back in the studio today with Jaron, but still no Kennedy. Hello, miss you, Kennedy. We miss you, Kennedy. So we should have Kennedy back soon from her mission trips, but her schedule doesn't slow down much in August. So Emmaus, uh, just a quick heads up, I'm going to send an email soon with event dates for our church in August. I always try at the end of each month to send kind of an overview of what's happening the next month. So watch your email. Uh, that'll be coming out soon, kind of our schedule for August. Exciting lineup, lots of great opportunities to invite friends, get reconnected with church, uh, school starting back up, all of those good things. So today on the podcast, our guest is Brent Parsons, pastor at Franklin Baptist Church in East Norman and director, executive director of the OKC campus for Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children. That's a lot to say, our friend next door. So uh, Brent, <laughs> welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I love yeah. it. Good yeah, we're back. excited. Uh, you said earlier we were trying. To, I wanted to make sure I had the name for the campus correct. So OKC campus, but we could call it the South Campus. We're we're proud Southsiders down here. That's so. Right. <laughs> yeah. We we at Emmaus love to play up the whole like Southside versus Northside. Those Edmund people, they can have their they can have their money. Those Northsiders, they can That's do their right. thing. So, did you actually grow up on the Southside, or do you know Southside? All my life, right yeah. here. There you go, man. We knew we loved you. So. Uh, you know, Southsiders, we're we're gritty. Like we, you know, we we can get by. We can make things happen. So, uh, not that we're opposed to our Edmonds, but uh, clarification. Yeah, clarification. If anybody from Edmonds listen, we have a few Emmaus members that live north side and drive down, and we are glad to have you. So, uh, so we're thinking about the end of the summer. Uh, our students are heading out uh, in a few days on a trip to Texas, down to Six Flags Rangers game. Brent. Uh, are you a big baseball guy, big amusement park guy, 0 for 2 on both of those options? I'm watching his face where, right where do you Where do you fit here? Not a big baseball guy. Oh, Love hey. some amusement parks. Very drawn to amusement park benches. So, you know, a, a nice bench in the shade. I love Watching it. my family. A little know, people watching as yeah. people go by. So you can you can see some interesting characters at, at amusement right. parks. Jaron, back in student ministry days, did you take the uh, students uh, we did. to amusement parks? And, and uh, I did it for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> did it for the kids. I, uh, I, man, I love a good baseball game. An amusement park, but now this baseball con- love is—it's well. New. I want to like clarify. Okay, it, the conditions have to be right. Like, if my son is on the field, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. If he's not, and it's above eighty degrees, I don't know about that. I'm I'm just like uh, not not really sure how I'm flying on that. But yeah. uh, the appreciation of the game itself, my son being involved, learning more about the game, has certainly elevated. A respect. There you go. It's growing. I'm, yeah. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So uh, I can admit that. Yeah, and you know the amusement park thing. I I don't know. I just hit a wall a couple of years ago. Like I just don't know how much I can can ride these things anymore. <laughs> like my, you know, my days of jumping on the trampoline. Like I get off the trampoline, and it's not good. <laughs> like the world's <laughs> the world's moving in ways it shouldn't move. And so uh, I really do love my kids. But uh, Amanda, no surprise, is incredible at all of that. And Man, my, my amusement park days, I'm struggling. I, I love a good thrill ride. Like the Titan down at Six Flags is an yeah. incredible experience to tell on myself and make fun of myself a little bit. The last trip, I think, I took our teenagers down to Six Flags. I was hanging out with this group, and they wanted to do uh, the Batman. And apparently you're supposed to get three clicks 
on the, uh, the oh, apparatus yeah, that holds you yeah, down, yeah. and I only got two, and oh. so I had to walk the walk of shame. And oh, <laughs> no, dude. That's wasn't right. able to make the trip on the roller coaster. That's, that's all right. You were down there. You were in the game with him. So, uh, no, I love that. So, uh, Brent, uh, won't quiz you on amusement parks or baseball, but we'd love to hear just the story of God's work in your life. Uh, a lot of folks around this area would know you, be familiar with you, but how did you come to faith in Christ? What's your, what's your testimony? Absolutely. God has just been extremely good to me. I I grew up late 70s, born in 75, first five years on Southwest 62nd, and then my family moved to Southwest 104th and Penn and Lake Ridge. I was the first kindergartner to walk into Red Oak Elementary, oh, wow. so there's, nice. there's, there's a claim a, to fame yeah. right there. There's a know. trivia question. Absolutely. So. And Southern Hills was always our church home. My mm-hmm. parents were there before I was born. Some of my family were charter members there back in the day. And I know no life without church. Yeah. And my dad's brother was a minister, served for a lot of years in Oklahoma. My mother's sister married a Baptist minister. My mom was a teacher. My dad worked for the health department. And I, I don't remember not knowing that Jesus loved me. I don't remember not knowing that God had a plan for me. But as, as clear as I can sit and see you here right now, on March 17, 1984, it was a Saturday night. We were in our home watching television back when you had no clicker except the kid that clicked the channels. And commercial came on. And since I was probably three or four years old, we had say, said the same prayer every night. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. And I'd rattle that off every night. And as I got older, we would tack on some personal requests, you know, some things that were of interest to us. That night during a commercial, I just asked my dad, I said, is that prayer I'm praying, does that, am I going to heaven if I die? Huh. 1984 had been a big year in our family. Uh, we'd lost one of my great-grandparents and then another great-grandparent and then a grandparent. So that was kind of my first round of funerals to attend and first face-to-face with death and heard a lot about heaven in 1984 <laughs> and knew I wanted to go. My dad said, no, you know, it's it's not enough. There needs to be a real change in your heart. And then the show came back on. And I had about 15 minutes, you know, while the show played on to kind of think through that next commercial. Well, what do I need to do? And so they got out the Bible and basically walked me through the Roman road. And I, I felt great conviction of the Holy Spirit and also just fear, maybe, a little bit of apprehension. I remember going and locking myself in the bathroom and just <laughs> thinking for a while, yeah. you know, what, what am I going to do with all this? And came back out and told my folks, I said, I, I don't know what I need to do, but I want to get saved. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And so prayed there right next to our velvet green couch. <laughs> Jesus came into my heart, I have no doubt. Yeah. And uh, the neat thing is we got on the phone immediately and started calling both sets of aunts and uncles. Oh, and yeah. Uh, both of those families were having prayer for me that night specifically. Oh, wow. They were oh, wow. having kind of a family time together, and they were able to rejoice with me in that. And but I said, "Well, we need to call Brother Jerry. He's the only pastor I'd ever known." And Jerry came when I was about four to Southern Hills, and uh, called Brother Jerry, and just the excitement in his voice. I was nervous about baptism going down front. You know, I, I knew now everything was right in my heart. <laughs> why, why anything else? And he said, well, just stop by the office in the morning. So I 
stopped by the office in the morning. He said, now, when that invitation time comes, you just come on down. I, Brother Jerry, I don't, I don't, I didn't say that, I don't think so. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's good for you and those, but not me. And so my dad and I took our place up in the balcony where we sat every week. Mom was in the choir and I was resolved not to go, but that Sunday morning, again, the Lord just led and I made my profession of faith public. And yeah. That's so good. Sweet, yeah. sweet ride. I love that. What does God do in your life to take you from that little Brent who, you know, dedicates his life to the Lord, experience of salvation, right. to to serving in a local church? What's kind of that, what's your journey been, that call to ministry, what does that look like in your life? Sure. I've always loved people and never really considered being pastor, minister, anything along those lines. Really thought I'd be a politician or an educator or who knows what summer after my senior year and I'd stayed active in church I, I stayed in the word I was discipled by some great folks uh, there at Falls Creek and almost 30 years ago to the day I think it was July 30th 1993 oh, wow. Uh, wow time flies yeah <laughs> <laughs> and again we're, we're at Falls Creek uh, lots of great service in fact brother Jerry was the camp pastor that week he'd been preaching all week and we were just in cabin having wreck time, and I was playing cards, and all of a sudden that same kind of conviction comes. Uh, Brent, I've got something for you. And I really didn't know what what to make of that. Uh, our college minister at the time was Mark DeMoss that's now oh, wow. serving yeah. at Capitol Hill. Yeah. And so he took me out on the porch at the old First Baptist Ada cabin, and we had a conversation, and I just knew I better surrender. And so... I said yes to the Lord that day to all that I knew to be ministry. Exactly. And yeah. I didn't know all the options. You know, I thought <laughs> sing, youth, yeah, preach, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. What, what, what am I going to do with this? But, And I'd already enrolled in OBU, had a great college oh, nice. experience yeah. there and great education. I changed majors over to a religion major and the rest, as they would say, is history. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It, it was not something that I ran from or to. It was just something that I'd never considered basically until that day. Mm. And God made it very clear. My mother was there as a cook, and my future mother-in-law was there as a cook. And I went in and <laughs> shared with them what I'd done and went to the payphone and called my dad. No, that's so good. <laughs> you know, something about your story there, uh, one of the things we talk about on the South Side, to go back to our fun South Side, you know, we stick together idea is... Uh, First Baptist Newcastle is part of your story. Mm -hmm. Capitol Hill is part of your story because of Mark. Southern Hills is part of your story. You're pastoring at Franklin now. Yeah. Friends with Emmaus. I think that just speaks to one of the gifts of the body of Christ mm -hmm. in this area is that sense of partnership, cooperation, the way our lives are, are interconnected. Uh, Jaron can speak to that from, from the First Baptist Moore side of things. and, and uh, any, anything that just comes to your, I, we don't have to extend that conversation any further. It just something about your story reminded me of what a gift we have, the connection of the churches down here. It is a gift. There, I know we're city, but this very much feels like a small town. There's such <laughs> a spirit of cooperation yeah. and unity and like-mindedness, and there, there was such great support. I mean, I went all the way through in public schools, and you mentioned in Capitol Hill, you know, we just lost Jim White, but his... Yeah wife now widow Willa White was one of my English teachers yeah, oh, yeah. my pastor's wife was one of my high school counselors uh, all of my school experience 
you know, when I was nine and accepted Jesus Christ, I went into the elementary school telling everybody about it, and teachers were hugging me and crying, and you know, it it's just a unique environment yeah. for sure. I'll give you a chance to brag on Franklin right now. What what gets you excited as a pastor right now? What what are you thinking about? What what would you want to share with Emmaus just about your excitement about local church ministry? And then I want us to talk about uh, Baptist Children's Home and all that. But sure. but speak speak to Emmaus about local church ministry, brag on Franklin for a little bit. What's that look like? Be of good cheer. You know, you hear a lot about gloom and doom and pastors stressed out and overworked and so tired. I am none of those things. I've never been more energized about the local church. And I've had the privilege, you know, I served on staff at Southern Hills for five years, went out to, well, went to Sulphur for a while, then over to Newcastle. Really big church. When I went out to Franklin 12 years ago this summer, we were down to 8, 10, 12 people. Uh, this year we'll celebrate our 125th anniversary. Oh, nice. And it was basically this. Franklin at one time was going to be its own hometown. It had a oh, okay. blacksmith shop, a little grocery store, and it's on paper a little village. There's nothing left there now <laughs> except a few houses and First Baptist Church or Franklin Baptist Church. Which is also first time. <laughs> first time to search Franklin Last, so, Trinity, yeah. Second Hope, yeah. we're all right there. But God has done, and through a lot of these South Oklahoma City people, and a, an amazing original core that was there, the core that was there when I came, my son and I actually slipped out on a Wednesday night, and I had just been hearing that they were needing a pastor, and I was doing some mission work at the time, knew I could be bivocational, and uh, I just wanted to see what it was like. I had never... I'd never even been in a Sunday school class that small, truthfully. And we went out there, and Marshall Howard, who had served for a long time at uh, First Baptist Moore, was their interim. And he was sitting around a little table with six or eight people teaching through the book of Ephesians. And my heart just leapt. I, I was so confident that God had a great future for that church. And with less than 20 or 30 people, they voted to tear down the entire structure that they had. We started a building campaign and built on every buildable square inch that we owned, according to Norman's city ordinances, (laughs) and brought in a couple portable school buildings to meet in for a while. And it has been nothing but a joy the entire time. But right now, this summer has been the answer to probably 100 years of prayer. We, We had almost 40 students go to Falls Creek this year that more than doubles our best year two weeks ago tonight we baptized 15 people and nine of them were students but some of the moms and dads started getting convicted Mm. and 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 obedience baptism so really wonderful things we're in two services we're out of space we've been out of space chronically for a decade (laughs) and it's it's fascinating Man, that's so much fun to hear. I, I, I love that. Um, all right, shifting gears for a minute. I know we can go back around and talk about the mission work, things like that. Right now, God has you in a position where you're executive director next door to Emmaus yeah. at the OKC campus there. Talk about that role. And then our church loves loves being neighbors here yeah. with, this, with this campus and these ladies and their kids. Help Emmaus know a little bit more about what that looks like. Just kind of talk about your excitement, your vision for that campus, and maybe help us think through even our connection, our partnership a little bit? Well, not because I'm sitting here, but we could ask for no finer partner than Emmaus. You you are a partner in every true and little, literal sense of the word. Uh, 
lots of people want to drop in and say hello occasionally and that's wonderful but you guys are in the trenches with us every week you've got volunteers serving hospitality on monday nights and tutoring you're a very present partner and i am grateful i had no idea so rewind back to that summer of 93 that OBHC would even be in the realm of what God would call me to do. There's nothing in my life that would back this up. But God very clearly called me to this a couple years ago. And Oklahoma Baptists ought to be absolutely floored by what's taking place on these campuses. You know, there's there's three others like ours. Right. We've got Medill and Boys Ranch and up in Owasso, another campus, all the Hope Pregnancy Centers. And what we're doing is really impacting eternity in a very long-term, very generational kind of way. So you pastor a church and you've got millions of dollars or you've got thousands of dollars. There isn't one of our individual churches that can do what's happening that's next right. door. That's right. Yeah, no, that's and good. It takes all of us. And the staff... What God has assembled next door to serve Oklahoma Baptists is amazing. Oklahoma Baptists, Emmaus needs to know, you've got people that are teaching people how to shop for the very first time, Mm -hmm. how to give their child a bath for the very first time, how to live sober for the very first time, not just a day or two a week, but 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, totally in the trenches. I... I often reflect on time in third world countries, and I say with all honesty, I've never felt more foreign than sometimes I do on my own campus. As I learn the stories of some of the people that we're serving, I could relate better to a third world African pastor than I can to some of these single mothers who are sometimes two or three or four generations deep into poverty or addiction or some other life circumstance. And God has intersected their lives, and they're ready to make that change. They're stepping out of homelessness. They're stepping out of horrible (coughs) relational behaviors. They're stepping out of addiction, and God's delivering them. And so what God really laid on my heart a couple years ago is something I'll share with your church later this evening. But the prodigal son story is one that we all grow up knowing, sharing. We can live it. We can breathe it. I've preached that dozens of times, uh, but I was in it a couple years ago, and I came to that single phrase where the father looks at the servant and he says, quick, bring the best. And a lump formed in my throat, and I, I just almost couldn't speak because the Lord had grabbed my attention. I'm more like that older child. I, I've never tasted a cigarette. I've never had a sip of alcohol. You know, all the all the things that you shouldn't do, I didn't do. And a lot of things you should do, I did do. And I have a false sense of pride and arrogance about that sometimes. And God just convicted me. And I've been guilty of saying those folks. And oh, yeah. maybe it even came out of my lips a few times. They made their bed. Let them lie in it. I mean, we've all got choices to make, and I made mine, and they were good, and you made yours, and they were bad. Why should I have to help you? But that's not the picture of our father. And he looked at a servant who goes unnamed in the story and says, bring the best. And that servant knew exactly what the father meant. And 
you and I know exactly what the Father means when he says bring the best. We're not supposed to deliver some watered down or goofed up or measured down portion to people that have made bad life choices. And some of these folks that we're ministering to have made bad life choices. Some of them have just had bad life doled out to them. So I came back with a real zeal to bring the best. And it embodies everything. It's it's the way we have conversations. So it's our language. I don't I don't call the ladies that we serve residents. I call them friends. You know, if if I call you a friend, I'm going to go the distance with you. And I want to bring God's very best for our friends. I like to call it a community. I like to refer to the cottages as homes. I I want them to feel all of the love as we interact with them with as staff. You know, they're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. And so we want to bring the very best, Jesus Christ, to each of them. And that it impacts our facilities. Probably even in at Emmaus, right next door to us, there are people that still think of that as a children's home. Where right. there's oh, yeah, definitely. little boys and girls that just live there with house parents like Gail and Sue Hill that mm-hmm. served there for so long. That That is what we were for the first 37 years. Not quite. Let's see, from... Uh, 1980, I'm going to lose track 82, of time. 82, is it 82, 83, something like that? 82, 83 is when we moved in. Yeah. That's when it started as a children's home. We ran that all the way up to 2008. Yeah. 2008 was the first children's home, uh, children's hope cottage. That's the single mom and child. And then five years ago this month, we became totally children's hope. Okay. I was wondering what the time frame, that's really helpful yeah. Yeah, to think through that. So really... The late 1980s, early 1980s, children's home. 2008, we first delved into this with one cottage. 2018, we became totally this. Yeah. And uh, so it's shocking to people to know we're not just dealing with children, but it's children and their moms, mm-hmm. and a lot of times their grandmas, and aunts and uncles. And we're, we're encompassing a whole family. We're seeing whole families transformed. I remember a story you told when you were sharing some early on that bring your best mentality of just even what does a mom see visually when she walks right into one of those buildings for the first time and, and how important that is. And that, that yeah. story you, you shared that one time has always stuck with me about that. Of what are we presenting to these ladies Absolutely. and these kids the first time they see this? We want them to see something different, something that says we value you, you're, you matter to us, we're going to give our best and we want you to respond by, by really trusting us exactly going right. into this so I love that Jaron anything you want to jump in you've, you've known Brent through the years anything that stands out to you and then I would love for you to wrap us up here in a second by sure. praying for for Brent and our friends next door no, and, and those sort of things for sure I just to speak a word of encouragement I I'm my first awareness and knowledge of who Brent Parsons was when you were at Southern Hills mm-hmm. I uh, started in ministry in the late 1900s and got to know guys like Chris Haynes and Mark DeMoss and know you were on staff there and so from that time on have been able to just watch you from a distance and have just been encouraged by your faithfulness and for it to become a little bit more personal now through this conversation is is really encouraging to me so I just appreciate you brother and just want to pray for you right now if we can do that. God, I just thank you so much for uh, these conversations and these stories, Lord, as we learn about your work in other people's lives. And Lord, we thank you that you are personal, that you pursue individuals, you pursue people as you did in Brent's life. And Lord, just to hear his, his love for you and his love for people, 
um, and his love for for how he does ministry. It is all uh, rooted in and inspired by your love for us, Lord. That you did your best for us, Lord. That we were we were lost, we were in rebellion, and and your rescue and your redemption is full, and it is complete. And uh, Lord, you you came all the way to get us. And so, God, I, I thank you how that that forms and fashions the way he leads his church at Franklin, but also leads the ministry next door. And uh, God, I just thank you for his ministry. I thank you for how you're working in his life and his, Lord, his enthusiasm. Lord, as he looks around the, the world and the culture, and, and that doesn't impact and impede the enthusiasm he has for what you're doing, that you are you are active and your word is is active as well in people's lives. And so I thank you for that encouragement that I received today. And so uh, may we all lift up our eyes and be ready for the work that you're doing in and around us. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Love you, Emmaus. We'll see you soon.